Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. Everyone knows that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and this week, we'll find out if the carrot cake coffee cake from Pinch of Yum is our new ideal breakfast treat. And in our last week of Cake Month, we're throwing back to our very first episode by introducing a cake favorite, the Bunt. Finally, we know that many of you are starting to feel that holiday frazzle, so we've come up with some desserts you can whip out in five minutes or less. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, this is a pretty exciting week. We have some major national holidays going on. Oh, big time. Big time week. I mean, one ties so nicely into our theme month, doesn't it? It's almost as if we planned it. (laughs) On Tuesday, November 26th, we've got National Cake Day. And I don't think I have to do anything special here. I've been celebrating Cake Day all month long. I was just going to say we've really done our bit for National Cake Day. (laughs) Oh, I've got an idea. Let's just eat cake on National Cake Day. No problem. (laughs) I've been eating cake all month. And then, of course, on Thursday, we have Thanksgiving in the United States. And I will be celebrating with friends and family. This is my husband's absolute favorite holiday. I'm pretty sure I'm going to make the sweet potato pie that we made back last season that was so incredible. And my family loved it so much. How about you, Stefan? Any... Uh, sort of nod back to your U.S. roots as you're living in London and Thanksgiving comes up? Yeah, absolutely. So the last two years, what we've done is celebrate on the weekend after Thanksgiving because, of course, that Thursday is just a work and a school day for us. It's a little harder to do a huge Thanksgiving feast. (laughs) Really? A little bit. A little bit trickier to come home from work and, like, throw that on. (laughs) Your kids aren't up for, you know, turkey and gravy (laughs) and stuffing in their lunches that day. Right. So excitingly this year, though, Andrea, we are having some British friends join us, and they've never done an American Thanksgiving. So it's going to be really fun to share everything with them. Of course, lots of the foods are very recognizable. In fact, the American Thanksgiving is very similar to what Brits would eat on Christmas as far as the turkey and, and all of that. But they're really excited to join us in that celebration, and we're really excited to have them. So it's going to be a really fun day, and we're going to do that Saturday after Thanksgiving this year. Oh, how fun. I love that idea, introducing your family's traditions, your culture's traditions to other people. That's going to be great. And I'm with you. I'm for sure making that sweet potato pie. But then one of the very first things our friend Ben said to us after they accepted our invitation, he said, do you mean like with pumpkin pie and everything? So now, (laughs) now we see the writing on the wall. And I think I'm going to do a pumpkin pie as well, but I'm going to do a pumpkin chiffon pie because I cannot get that pumpkin coconut chiffon pie we made last year out of my head either that was so fabulous yeah and really just a nice lighter take on the pumpkin pie I think Mm -hmm. that was so delicious Andrea I'm really torn though about fresh pear pie and then my kids insist on chocolate chess so once again we're looking at like a five pie lineup at my house (laughs) 
Well, if you're going to introduce Thanksgiving to mm. your British friends, I think it's important that they understand the excess that often goes <laughs> along with it. So. <laughs> right on, right on, doing Americans proud here. So, well, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everyone there in the States or wherever you might be celebrating. And I can't wait to see what everybody is baking up. I know our Facebook group will really be active. Yes, please do post your pictures on that day, either before the actual holiday as you're getting ready, or we love to see your desserts on Thanksgiving Day or your Thanksgiving table. I know in the past I have so enjoyed seeing the pictures that all of you post. Speaking of holiday weekends, Andrea, I think this cake we're about to review might be a great one if you have a house full of guests this Thanksgiving or holiday season. And it is the Carrot Cake Coffee Cake from Pinch of Yum. This was an entry into our One Layer Wonders. We hadn't done a coffee cake, Andrea. We hadn't done a carrot cake ever, despite the fact that you and I both love that. And this one was really nice and straightforward, but had the addition of that grated carrot, as well as a really nice streusel, and could be done in an eight or nine inch square or a nine inch round. So how did this carrot cake, coffee cake, that's a lot of C's, carrot cake, (laughs) Coffee cake. Go for you, Andrea. (laughs) I have so much to say about this cake, and I'm just going to start out because my excitement level is so high by saying (laughs) five stars, four thumbs up, you know, as many superlatives as I can give on this cake. It's like bursting through the microphone. Here's a couple of reasons why. Number one, as you mentioned, the word cake is listed twice in the title, and Mm -hmm. so I love that. (laughs) Number two, when I told my family, we were in the car, I can't remember what we were doing, and we were talking about our plans, you know, for the next day, and I said, I have some baking to do for preheated, and my husband and daughter said, oh, that's great, what are you making? And I said, a carrot cake coffee cake, Mm -hmm. and there was that long silence, (laughs) and Mm. my husband said, That sounds like a really weird combo. And my daughter said, that doesn't sound good. And so I told both of them to zip it and, uh, you know, just proceeded on about my merry way. Next thing I loved about this cake was that I had all of the ingredients. You know, I love a cake where I don't have to run to the store or find something, you know, special in the pantry. So as you mentioned, it's just got two large carrots, which are grated. I love that the author of this recipe, Lindsay, tells you how much carrot you should have after you're done grating. Because, of course, two large carrots, who knows what size we're talking about. So I picked two large ones from my bag of carrots, and after I grated them in my food processor, which I absolutely did use and recommend using, I had about two cups. Yeah. And you only need a cup and a half for the recipe. So my dog got the other half a cup, and he is also a two thumbs up on the (laughs) carrot cake, coffee cake recipe. Big fan. As long as he gets the shredded carrots. The next ingredient is three quarters cup of granulated sugar. I made a little mistake here. I have sort of a mix matched set of measuring cups. And so my three quarter cup measure is from a different set than my one cup measure. And so they don't nest in each other nicely and they look very similar. I accidentally filled my sugar with the one cup. And it was only after I had mixed it in with the melted butter and the eggs that I realized that. I'm here to tell you it made no difference. Okay. I think it was delicious, and I do not think it was too sweet. So I think that this recipe is very forgiving. It looks like you can go up a little bit on the sugar without a problem. And who knows, maybe you could even go down on the sugar without a problem, depending on the sweetness of your carrots. Well, that's really interesting you said that, because one thought I had 
when I was eating this is it wasn't overly sweet. And there is the addition at the end, which we'll get to in a minute, to add some melted honey butter on top. And I really think that was a nice way to add more sweetness. So maybe if you are wanting it to be a little more sweet, maybe going up to a cup will work. Yeah. Definitely didn't hurt. Um, so you take that uh, three-quarter cup of sugar or a cup, as in my case, you take a stick of melted butter and two eggs and whisk those together, stir in that cup and a half of shredded carrots, and then you add your flour, baking soda, and cinnamon. A quick note on the recipe here, the ingredients mention in the cake that you'll need a pinch of salt, but I didn't notice that in the instructions. So in step two, when you're making the cake batter and she says to add the flour, baking soda, and cinnamon, Don't forget to add the salt in there. And also in that step two, Andrea, I just have a quick note that when you are whisking your sugar, your melted butter, let that cool just a little bit because next step is to add your eggs. And as we repeatedly say, you do not want scrambled eggs. So just let it come down a little bit off the heat, then put in your eggs and don't worry about that. Oh, that's a really good point. You know, I ended up doing that by accident because, you know, as simple as this recipe is, you're going to hear me say about five things I did wrong. (laughs) And I wasn't distracted. I don't know what happened. Well, I mean, I think the other thing you could do there is take it out of order a bit. You could do the sugar and the butter and then the carrot, which would then cool the butter down naturally and then put in your egg. Oh, that would work. You know, what what I did by accident is I was using the recipe on my phone and, you know, the print is smaller and you don't have the full screen. Yeah. So I think my eyes had just accidentally wandered to the streusel topping where it said four tablespoons of melted butter. So initially, I only melted four tablespoons of butter. And then as I was whisking it into the sugar, I checked, thank goodness, and I was like, oh my gosh, I I don't have the right ingredients here. It's more. It cooled while I had to melt the other, uh, you know. So anyway, again, all worked out fine. Crisis averted. (laughs) Crisis averted. Carrot cake, coffee cake, crisis averted. (laughs) Oof. Okay, that was a little too much. Be careful. The batter is very thick, as she indicates, and she gives some options for pans. Now, she suggested a 9-inch round pan, but said that an 8- or 9-inch square or a smaller rectangle would work. I went with my 8-inch square because I just love a square cake. I think they're so much fun. I know you do. You love that lazy daisy. You just yes. It's just kind of cute, and it's kind of retro feeling to me always for some reason. I don't know why that would be. I mean, that pan's been around forever, but yeah, something about it is really adorable. Yeah, I just love it. I went with my 9-inch round, and that worked great, just as she oh. had instructed there. So once you've got that cake batter in the pan, you mix up your streusel topping, and that is half a stick of butter melted, half a cup of flour, half a cup of brown sugar, a little bit of cinnamon, and a pinch of salt. And you mix that together. I just mixed it in a bowl Yeah, with my hands. She mentions you can use your hands. I think I started with a fork and kind of mashing it, and then I did just use my hands to make sure it was all mixed in really well together. Yeah, same here. It was pretty thick, and I thought the fork wasn't cutting it anymore, so just clean hands worked really well. You sprinkle that streusel on top of your cake batter. You pop it into the oven. I realized that the last time I made the Lazy Daisy cake, I did line my 8-inch pan with parchment. This time, I didn't. I just used my Baker's Joy cooking spray, and I'm happy to report there were no problems. The cake popped out of the pan quite nicely, but after I had it in the oven, I thought, oh, with that streusel topping and all that melted sugar, that might have been a mistake on my part, but it worked out just fine. Yeah, and I just did a little bit of butter on the bottom of my pan, and that worked great, too. Okay. Now, Andrea, 
I'm really hoping that you made the honey butter. Well, and I, first of all, I love her instruction, top with honey butter, <laughs> if you're extra. And then she put in parentheses, you are. You are. <laughs> of course you are. Of course I am. I don't know. I think I've mentioned this before. I'm not a huge honey fan. Oh, gosh, you're kidding me. You're always talking about like your hot honey and different things like that. I thought for sure you were a honey person. I do like hot honey on top of... Um, Savory? Pungent the word? Yes. <laughs> pungent? like So like a blue cheese or something like that? Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's when I like that drizzle of hot honey. But for example, like if someone said to me, hey, here, have a slice of this honey cake or put mm. some honey in your tea, it's just not my go-to. Okay. Okay. However... I recently had a friend over for dinner, and she brought me the cutest little hostess gift, which was a jar of honey from her hives at her house. Oh, you can't get better than that. It is like, I am treating this stuff like liquid gold. I first used it in my homemade granola recipe in place of the sugar that I would normally use. And my husband was like, what did you do with this batch of granola? This is the best granola you've ever made. (laughs) And since then, I've just been putting it in everything. And it's the dark color. And she said Mm -hmm. every batch Mm -hmm. they get is different because, of course, you know, you don't control where the bees go. (laughs) They're flying all over and doing their thing. And she did think that this particular batch, she also agreed, was just incredibly good. So, well, Andrea, maybe you've just been eating the wrong honey. That's what I'm thinking. I think I've always bought just that light yep. honey that's in the grocery store, um, possibly encased in a squeezable bear. Mm-hmm. That's almost like eating corn syrup or something. It just hasn't no flavor. realized the depth of flavor yeah. that good honey could have. So I am here to tell you that I absolutely recommend the honey butter. I pulled this cake out of the oven at 30 minutes. It needed five more minutes, so it wasn't quite done at 30. I baked it till 35 I let it cool for a few minutes, and then, of course, I wanted a slice of it warm with the dollop of honey butter on top, and oh, it was (laughs) so incredible. Everyone in my family loved it. We couldn't stop eating it. I ate it the next day. Oh, so true. But I thought it was absolutely great. Cold, which is shocking to me. I thought, well, streusel's not going to be good cold, but it was, and I, I just can't say enough about this cake. I really thought this was a cute cake as well, Andrea, and it made me feel really nostalgic. Now, I'm about to tell you a story that might shock you. Uh (laughs) Mm Uh-oh. But then again, probably won't. When listener Anne-Marie, of course you all know Anne-Marie does our theme music for the show, when Anne-Marie and I were in high school, Andrea, we would sometimes cut class. What? And we weren't smoking behind the bleachers. No, no. We would go make a coffee cake. (laughs) Oh, you're such a rebel. You're such a rule breaker. And this cake, we never made a carrot cake coffee cake, but we would make just kind of a basic coffee cake with streusel and just have a delightful morning and chat and then do the dishes and go back to school. So, oh my gosh. Anyway, this really reminded me of this. It had this really nice crumbly streusel. The carrots were a nice addition. As you guys know, carrot cake is one of my favorite cakes. And I think, Andrea, when we introduced this um, back in episode 151, you were saying how interesting it was that this was a carrot cake recipe that wasn't paired with a cream cheese frosting. Yes, and that's part of the reason I think my family love this so much. So even though they initially mocked me when I said carrot cake coffee cake and they said, ooh, that sounds weird, 
when I served it to them, they both were like, this is the perfect combination. And you could still see the pretty carrot flakes. It was yes. really a pretty cake when you cut into it. Yes. You could taste the sweetness. But then you didn't have that sort of overwhelming frosting. And I'm sure that's partly my fault. I love frosting so much, I tend to overdo it. And so I think I've never kind of really appreciated carrot cake just for the carrot cake. Yeah, and I think that that would be very expected. And so the fact that this didn't have it, but instead had this nice buttery brown sugar streusel, and then also this honey butter, which I am with you, do not skip that step. It takes it over the top. Mm-hmm. I made this when my mom was visiting me here in London, and we both agreed there's nothing better than hot coffee cake straight from the oven. There's a phrase here that I love, and they say something is very Moorish. Do you know this phrase? I don't think I saw this in the U.S. ever. As in extra or over the top? Yeah, yes, exactly. I have not heard that phrase, no. I thought with that honey butter, it was very Moorish. So just really (laughs) decadent and special in what is otherwise a very easy to prepare, very quick to prepare cake. You could and you should, you know, wake up in the morning and get this in the oven and to your guests in like 45 minutes. It's not unreasonable, you know. And so that's why I said at the top of this review that this is really a good one for busy holiday time when you might have guests in your house. It feeds uh, eight, I think, eight to ten. And I think everyone is going to really love it. Well, I can tell you it feeds three quite nicely as well. (laughs) One to ten, yes. (laughs) I cut my eight-inch square pan into nine pieces, and I think I had five of them. I also am very nostalgic about coffee cake. Mm. I remember my mom and her friends when we were young children, even before we were going to school or maybe when we were in kindergarten and doing the half-day kind of thing. I remember gathering at their houses, and I remember them drinking coffee and eating coffee cake. Mm. And, you know, gosh knows, probably smoking a cigarette too, but um, (laughs) it it just has that warm, nostalgic memory to me as well. So that's funny. We both have these nostalgic Mm -hmm. memories of coffee cake, and I'm just so glad we made it. I am too, and I really like the addition of the carrot there. I think too, Andrea, you didn't need any more spice here, but I think it would be fun to play around if you wanted to add more like pumpkin pie spice flavors. Mm. We talked couple episodes ago about making your own pumpkin pie spice but you know throwing some nutmeg or clove or something else in there to make it more of a spice cake also I think that would be great but no this is a nice keeper when you need something fast and delicious that's really more than the sum of its parts well and this is one of the few cakes I've made that doesn't have vanilla in it so true. Oh, That makes it a little bit different. I also did want to point out, I did adjust a little bit on the salt. Back in our Pass the Salt, Please episode, I talked about sort of proportions for salt to flour. And in the cake batter, she mentions a pinch of salt. I actually did a half a teaspoon. Yeah, that sounds about right. I bumped up from a pinch there. And I think your suggestion of adding the additional spices sounds really good. Yeah, why not? Two thumbs up here for the carrot cake coffee cake from Pinch of Yum. Thanks to Lindsay for that delicious cake. Will our next cake be as big of a hit? Let's find out. It is our final cake of our One Layer Wonder Month. It is a rum cake. And the reason I picked this particular cake were, well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I definitely wanted to do a bunt cake. Oh, yeah. Stefan, since episode one, when we made our pumpkin bunt cake, yes, we learned about our baker's joy. 
I don't know about you, but I have just been fascinated with all of the different variety of Bundt cake pans out there right now. I sometimes will go on my phone and go through Amazon or Pinterest or Instagram or one of those places just looking at the Nordic Wear catalog of Bundt pans. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot to tell you a very important find I made this summer when I was back home. Oh, okay. I found a beautiful Nordic Wear bunt pan. You know those are so expensive and I yes. paid like 99 cents for it. Oh, at a thrift store? Yes. Oh, that's a score. I think it was one of those situations where they didn't know what they had. Oh, okay. You know, which you can often find at a thrift store. So anyway, it's waiting for me in Seattle because I couldn't figure out how to get it back in my luggage. But <laughs> okay. That little treasure awaits me while in the meantime, I will make do with the one I have here. But I also agree. And they make wonderful products. They're so ornate, the different designs and the different scallops and ridges and everything. You could have a whole bunt cake pan library as far as I'm concerned. Well, and that has been my challenge. Um, I've had the Brilliance pan on my wish list for quite a while. But storing bunt pans is difficult, and especially once you start to branch out of your typical fluted shape, because then you can't even stack them. I know we had a listener who was redesigning her kitchen. It might have been Ruth. But if there are any of our listeners who have an elegant solution for storing bunts, and I don't know, maybe it's putting nails on the wall and hanging them as sort of a decorative feature of your house. That's just what I was going to mention, because some of them are just so pretty on their own. Yeah, I would love to know how to do that because honestly, that's the only thing that has kept me from buying more of the bunt pans that I really want is just figuring out, well, where am I going to put these things? So I'm interested in any suggestions. But back to this recipe, a couple of things that I loved, it came from a website called Once Upon a Chef by Jen Siegel. And what I really like is her head notes in this recipe where she said, This is her homemade version of the famous Duncan Hines rum cake that her grandmother was known (laughs) near and far for. So talk about nostalgia again. Yeah, I love anything that is a recreation of a restaurant dessert or a box dessert or something that has gained some notoriety or attention. And I also love that she's recreating something her grandma used to make. So that's so cute. And I really enjoy that this cake looks really straightforward when you get down to it. There are some large eggs, then some egg yolks, some dark rum, vanilla and almond extract, some cake flour, light brown sugar and granulated sugar, baking powder, salt, a cup of butter, and confectioner's sugar for dusting. Now there is a glaze on this. Not all buns do have a glaze, but that's also pretty easy. It's butter, water, sugar, and a little bit more rum to just reinforce the flavors in the cake. You've got your 12-cup bunt pan. You're going to grease that, of course. Andrea and I love our baker's joy. That's what we recommend. <laughs> mm-hmm. We do. But you can also do some butter or oil and some flour. Just make sure it's really well coated, whatever you do choose. Then it's basically just kind of whisking the wet and the dry and combining that and into the oven. I mean, this looks like a big payoff here, Andrea. I think so. And I also love recipes that if you're going to put rum in the title of the recipe and you're going to call it a rum cake, then my goodness, I want to see some rum in the ingredients. And she delivers here. So there is a (laughs) half a cup of rum in the batter and another quarter cup plus two tablespoons in the glaze. This isn't a rum cake with like two tablespoons of rum. I mean, she's really got it going on. Yeah, you're going to taste that, I think. I think at holiday time when you're so busy, a bunt cake is something really nice that you can make ahead of time. And I think with this particular recipe, 
the butter and the rum is going to keep it nice and moist so it can sit out on your counter it's pretty even as you start slicing into a bundt cake it's still pretty yeah it stays pretty yeah so i just think this is a great holiday rum cake and listeners if you guys bake along with us we would love to see your photos in this one Remember, we'll have a link to these recipes in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 152 on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as in our Facebook group. Andrea, this week you're celebrating Thanksgiving, and then Christmas is right around the corner for both of us. I know how much we love the holidays, but is there anything you don't love about this time of year? Let's see. Other than the smell of cinnamon every time I turn <laughs> around. You're, you're changing your mind on that, I know. I am. It's true. But there really is only one thing I don't love about the holidays, and that's just how busy I get. Yeah. We do things like ice skating and chopping down a tree and shopping for presents and carol singing, and I can find myself totally overbooked. Yes. Although I do want to add, I am overbooking by choice. So I'm I'm doing these things because I love to do them. It's not because I feel pressure or like I have to. And I know you also especially like to entertain during the holidays. And since you don't want to cut back on your activities, that necessarily means less time for planning, shopping, and food prep. So Andrea, what's a busy gal to do? And that is when these five minutes or less dessert recipes come into play. So if someone pops by my house or if a few extra people show up at a planned event, having some easy and speedy recipes in my arsenal keeps me a bit more sane during the holidays. Oh, I can't wait to hear about them. Okay, well, first up is a milkshake. Mm. And now I know most people think of a milkshake as a summer dessert, but I find it equally as good in the winter. And it requires only a few ingredients. A really good premium ice cream. I almost always start with a vanilla or a chocolate. Okay. Some milk to thin the ice cream. I use whole milk. And then some mix-ins. So you start with the milk in the blender. Then you add the ice cream, which I always let soften a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then you add your mix-ins. And if you want your mix-ins to stay crunchy, add them at the very end of your blending, not when you start. And, you know, that sounds like it would be easy to make vegan, too, just by using a milk alternative like almond or oat milk and then use an ice cream made from coconut milk. Yes. And it will fulfill one of our 19 for 19 resolutions, waste not, want not. Yes. Leftover bits of fruit, cookies, and candy bars are great things to toss into the blender to jazz up your milkshake. I've also been known to add the last few teaspoons from a liquor bottle. Now, Andrea, how do you serve these? Especially at the end of the meal, I am not going to serve these in one of those enormous soda fountain glasses. Yeah. So I think it's fun to serve them in a highball glass, like you would serve a cocktail in with a pretty paper straw. Or you can do them in a small mason jar. Oh, nice. Okay, milkshakes, check. That does sound quick, easy, and delicious. It also sounds interactive, like something all the guests could gather around for. So I love that. Yeah. What's next? Another one of my favorites is date bites, which I know doesn't sound that exciting, so I often call them vegan brownies. (laughs) And they're made with just four ingredients, dates, cacao powder, unsweetened dried coconut, and sunflower seeds. You simply whiz these up in the food processor, form them into balls, and serve. Oh, fun. I'm guessing they look a little bit like truffles? Yes. And you could probably roll them in cacao powder or more dried coconut or crushed peppermint pieces. I mean, a variety of festive looks. Oh, I like the peppermint pieces idea. Yeah. I'll post a link to the recipe that I use in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 152. Now, Stefan, the next one is one that I think your family will like. It is a version of the banana split. 
Uh, one of our family's favorites. And this recipe comes from one of my favorite websites, The Minimalist Baker, where most of her recipes are 10 ingredients or less and take less than 30 minutes. Her raw banana split makes it even easier. All she does is split open bananas, top them with a nut butter, coconut yogurt, granola, berries, hemp seeds, and coconut flakes. Oh, and that would be so fun on a dessert bar where people could make their own. And dare I say it, Andrea, it sounds a little bit healthy. Just another added bonus this time of year. (laughs) Well, how about you, Stefan? Do you have any five minutes or less desserts you can recommend? Well, I love, love, love making teeny cookie or pretzel sandwiches, and I probably do it a bit too often. (laughs) Currently, I love sandwiching cookie butter between mini pretzels, but I also love taking rich tea biscuits and putting a teaspoon, or let's be honest, a tablespoon of peanut butter or cookie butter in between. You could do the same thing with graham crackers in the U.S. There's also a British biscuit I love called a bourbon cream that's a chocolate sandwich cookie. I'm here to tell you those are pretty good dipped in peanut butter or leftover chocolate frosting. (laughs) Now, would I serve these at an elegant dinner party? Probably not. But when my family or I are in desperate need of something fast and sweet, these are easy to whip up. And if you wanted to go that bit further to fancy them up, you could roll the edges in mini chocolate chips or sprinkles of coconut. You get the idea. Mm. In a similar vein, it's very easy and quick to put ice cream in the middle of your favorite cookies, homemade or store-bought, and voila, ice cream sandwich. Like your milkshakes, I think these work year-round. Yum. Now, another simple dessert I've seen is from Food Network Canada, and it simply involves melting dark chocolate, adding hot water and vanilla, and then slowly adding in some heavy cream. That sounds really familiar to the milk chocolate pots we made back in episode 116. Yes, it is, but it doesn't use the eggs, and they use dark chocolate instead of milk chocolate, which really caught my eye. Now, it's a bit of a cheat for me to include this on my five minutes or less dessert list, because although it does take five minutes to make, it does require time to set up in the fridge, at least 45 minutes. Well, I think the preheaters will forgive you. (laughs) And, you know, you can take that time to take a bath and get ready for your guest. Hmm. How about that as a time-saving strategy to help you survive the holidays? Well, it works for me. Listeners, we'd love to hear which desserts you whip up in five minutes or less. Drop us a note at hosts at preheatedpodcast.com, post in our Facebook listeners group, or leave us a voicemail message at 802-276-0788. One more time, that's 802-276-0788. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get the sprinkles on top of this episode. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and next week we're kicking off the most wonderful time of the baking year with all sorts of homemade confections. From marshmallows to licorice, they'll be perfect for gifting. Listeners, if you'd like to get an email and a link to the full show notes every week when our episode is released, please subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, preheatedpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at Preheated Pod. If you like our show, please tell a friend and subscribe and consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our show. Here's one of our latest reviews, Stefan. I think you'll really enjoy it. It says, best regular baking podcast out there. I listen to podcasts regularly, especially every Saturday morning when I'm cleaning house, and this podcast stands out. The recipes are good, and the host, Andrea and Stefan, really present two different viewpoints on how to proceed from the recipe to the finished product, with all of the pitfalls we see as home bakers. 
This podcast updates weekly like clockwork and is still going strong. So many of these podcasts bite the dust after a bit. (laughs) If you want a fun listen about baking, this one is it. Oh, I love that, Andrea. Thank you so much for that review. It's such a thrill when we get a new review. We both love it. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. <laughs> that was terrifying. I don't even know where it came from. Okay. <clears throat>